This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. A federal judge in Louisiana said Monday he will block the Biden administration from lifting a public health order that keeps immigrants seeking asylum out of the United States. U.S. District Judge Robert B. Summerhays told Republican state's attorney general, including Montana's Austin Knudsen, and the federal government that he plans to grant Republicans' request for a temporary restraining order. It would stop President Joe Biden from ending the policy known as Title 42, first put in place during the Trump administration. The emergency order allowed immigration authorities to expel those seeking asylum. The decision has brought condemnation from Republicans and Democrats who say there needs to be a comprehensive plan in place to deal with higher expected numbers of migrants when the order ends. The Department of Homeland Security also says it faces a funding shortfall. Judge Summerhays granted the order during a virtual status conference on Monday. A summary of that meeting said the states and federal agencies would attempt to reach agreement on the specific terms of the order. The summary does not include any details of Judge Summerhays' legal reasoning. Former President Donald Trump appointed Summerhays to the federal bench in Louisiana, where he has served since 2018. The Trump administration first put Title 42 into effect during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions in March of 2020, seeking to block carriers of coronavirus from entering and staying in the U.S., the order allowed the Department of Homeland Security to remove immigrants seeking asylum. More than one million migrants have been expelled under the policy, according to U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said earlier this month that with higher vaccination rates in the country and around the world, migrants no longer posed a sufficient public health threat to continue the policy. Attorneys General in Arizona, Louisiana, and Missouri sued earlier this month to block that effort. Eighteen other states, including Montana, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio, Idaho, Nebraska, and Kansas joined in the last three weeks. Montana lawmakers say that ID.me, a facial recognition company that contracts with the Department of Labor and Industry and is currently under federal investigation, misled them about who may have access to Montanans' facial recognition data. In a letter sent to the Economic Affairs Interim Committee on March 25th, ID.me revealed that it contracts with more than five companies to carry out its facial recognition technology services. The committee lawmakers are currently studying legislative proposals to limit how the technology can be used in Montana. The revelation bothered some committee members. Quote, the impression they gave at the beginning was that They have this great privacy policy, and then we find out months later they use these other companies, and now we don't know what these companies do with the data. That's according to Representative Katie Sullivan, the Democrat from Missoula, who's been at the forefront in pushing for facial recognition technology regulations. 
When the company testified before the committee in February, it made no mention of contacting with other companies. Quote, we are more than happy to provide any information to the committee to ensure they have all their questions answered, a spokesman for ID.me said on Friday last. Additionally, ID.me says it prohibits the companies it contracts with from independently processing or storing any data. In considering regulations for facial recognition companies, the committee has proposed requiring FRT companies that contract with the state to notify the state when their privacy policies are updated. The Montana Department of Labor and Industry started contracting with ID.me in 2020 after it saw a spike in unemployment fraud at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. After the technology went into place, instances of fraud dropped to 2,000 in November of 2020 and to almost single digits by December of 2020. ID.me contracts with 30 state government agencies, including the DLI in Montana and 10 federal agencies. One of the misrepresentations cited in the letter to lawmakers was the company's use of one-to-many verification, which uses an algorithm to match a person's face to a large database and has been considered largely unreliable because it relies on biometric, that's body measurement data, obtained from external databases. Initially, according to the letter, the company told lawmakers it uses one-to-one verification, which verifies an individual's identity by matching the person's photo to their own photo. The investigation follows a move by the Internal Revenue Service to drop plans to require people to submit to facial recognition verification through ID.me to access their online tax accounts. There was a significant significant backlash about potential privacy violations about a private company amassing large amounts of facial recognition data. As home prices continue to climb to record highs in Missoula, community nonprofits are turning to modular homes that were once intended for workers in the Bakken oil fields as permanently affordable housing for two lifelong area residents. Homeward and Habitat for Humanity of Missoula are working together to help two East Missoulians obtain homeownership using money from Missoula's new Affordable Housing Trust Fund and a long-term lease that ensures permanent affordability. The modular homes will be available for the two residents, a retired house painter and a working diesel mechanic, to purchase at one-fifth of the cost of Missoula's median home price. That's according to Heather Harp, the Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity in Missoula. The project comes as home prices in Missoula continue to rise. The median home price in Missoula County is now $510,000. The homes will be placed on permanent foundations on land in East Missoula that a family sold at a discount price to Habitat for Humanity. Montana's reported COVID-19 cases have seen a slight bump in recent weeks after months of a steady downward trend. Average daily case counts increased 17% 
in the last two weeks. Rates of hospitalization and death are still down, dropping by 32% for hospitalization and 29% for deaths. As of Monday, April 25th, the state tallied 512 active cases. 14 Montanans are reported as hospitalized due to the virus. Omicron remains the most prevalent variant in Montana, making up all of the positive cases sequenced, according to the state's most recent epidemiology report. The Omicron subvariant, BA.2, was first detected in Montana on January 30th. There have been 25 cases of BA.2 reported statewide. About 55% of Montana's eligible population has been fully immunized against COVID-19. That's 10% below the national average. Missoula County has the highest level of vaccination at 66%. Garfield has the lowest vaccination rate at 25%. As of April 25th, there have been over 3,300 Montana deaths attributed to the disease. This year's flare-up of avian flu has both livestock producers and wildlife managers worried, and they hope the public can help it from spreading. Back in early April, the Montana Department of Livestock learned that some chickens south of Great Falls had contracted highly pathogenic avian influenza. Shortly after that, two sick wild birds, a Canadian goose on Canyon Ferry, and a snow goose at Freezeout Lake tested positive. Many snow goose are dying, according to state veterinarian Marty Vazalewski, partly because it's been spreading for about six months. Montana Fish and Wildlife and Parks veterinarian Jennifer Ramsey said the outbreak appears to be having a worse effect on wild birds than the last breakout in 2015. In 2015, almost 50 million domestic birds were affected in the U.S. in six months. So far, 31 million birds have been affected. Zalewski says the highly contagious flu can kill up to 90% of domestic poultry flocks. That's why an outbreak can affect the trade status of the U.S. related to poultry products. Other countries don't want to risk spreading the disease. And there's always a concern about the effects on public health. Poultry producers don't ship sick birds to processing plants, according to Zalewski. And even if a sick bird got through, it can be safe to eat as long as people use safe cooking techniques and sanitation. So to prevent further spread, the state has suspended all poultry shows for 60 days. Zalewski recommends that poultry producers, including those who keep chickens in towns, take precautions when dealing with their flocks, especially if they live near bodies of water. Use a separate set of clean clothes to handle the birds, use sanitation techniques, and don't visit other people's poultry operations. Also, bird hunters should use caution and wear gloves when field dressing and skinning wild turkeys or other birds. As for the general public, FWP is asking people to put away bird feeders to prevent birds from congregating. 
Dr. Ramsey says smaller birds that frequent feeders, such as chickadees, starlings, grackles, and blackbirds, are rarely affected by avian flu. Even so, to prevent exposure, it's wise to take the feeders down, especially since more food is available elsewhere now. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide with listeners in 46 U.S. states and Canadian provinces in 24 countries on six continents. We also post our stories on Facebook. Made in Montana News is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH, 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio in Jefferson County, Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation, PIVA Radio of the Northern Cheyenne Nation, and Crow Res Radio of the Crow Nation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.